I'm going to read an entry from August the 9th of 1997, but I think it makes more sense to read this letter that was dated just a couple days before, maybe the day before. Unfortunately, I didn't have the date on the letter, but it seems to make sense for this because the 9th was a Tuesday and you'll hear me talking about the Tuesday mentioned in the letter. So Mildred was, I don't know if she was an attorney, she was a tenant of mine and she was the one that I had reached out to saying, looks like I'm going to need an attorney because Don's kids and Anne all got attorneys and are trying to take over our real estate business. And so she referred me to Deborah Boger and Jim Freeman. But at this point, I'm still writing her because she's the person that I know best. And I'm thinking that she was an attorney there, or maybe a, a judicial assistant. I'm just not sure. But at any rate, I wrote her this letter on Wildlife on Easy Street letterhead. It says, Dear Mildred, attached you will find a master list of properties to the best of my determination. And this is because after Don disappeared and all of this craziness started happening, I went down to the courthouse to try and figure out, okay, what are the assets? What is going on here? You know, I, you've heard that I took the trailer and I'm trying to go through all of those filing cabinets and figure out what's current, what's not. So I was also doing research down at the courthouse. Attached you will find a master list of properties to the best of my determination. The abbreviation for ownership are as follows. Galta, the Guardian Angel Land Trust, that was properties that Don and I worked on together. The PSRL, which was the PSRL Land Trust, and that was um, the assets from that were to go to Don, and then if he were to die to his three daughters. UTTS, which was United Truck and Trailer Sales, and that was Don Lewis and Gail Rathbone were the uh, corporate entities on that one. LHB, it was a dissolved corporation of which Don was the only party named. And then what we called DL assets, and those were things that were just in Don Lewis's name alone. Anne does not have now and never has had a power of attorney from Don. Her memory being better than mine during this time of crisis, she remembered that Don and I had prepared them for each other and commented then that Don has said she had one in her favor, but that he had never actually executed one. Just to be sure, I have gone through all of her papers again and all of the files from the office and can assure that no such thing exists. It would have been foolish for Don to execute two and on the ones that he executed with me, Anne was not even his second choice of attorney, and that should preclude her argument that I have hid or destroyed her rights. I have gone easy on her because I have not been sure how much of her transferring was done as theft and how much Don may have known about, but for her to step in and lie about something that we both know the truth about and her attempt to destroy my original documents by sneaking them out of the office in a box of her tax papers, I can see no reason to protect her any further. Can she be arrested for embezzling, and can your firm represent me in the ensuing lawsuit? The proof is overwhelming. Her tune may change entirely if she thinks she could be punished with jail time. I would, of course, drop the charges, provided she properly deeds everything back, Anything she can prove is hers, she may keep. As for Don's kids, I am trying to maintain a Christian attitude and tell myself that they deserve to share in the benefits of the business their father and I built, if for no other reason that they are his children. And that is the only reason. 
Even if Don shows back up, I do not want to spend any more of my time working, investing, and managing PSRL for this ungrateful lot. And Don hasn't made a sound business decision in months, so if they are ever to get an inheritance, the time would be now. Monday, and no later, if they agree to formally accept the power of attorney, will, and trust documents, then I will deed over, using Don's power of attorney, all of the properties held in the PSRL land trust agreement to them jointly as trustees and assign his beneficial interest to them jointly as beneficiaries. This amounts to pro approximately one and a half million, which is almost half a million per daughter. Their brother, Danny Lewis, has no interest in the PSRL land trust and was entirely disowned many years ago by Don. He is in jail now. However, I want adequate protection that he, via his mother, Gladys Cross, cannot come in and challenge the estate if I deed the PSRL trust over to the girls. I know the girls can get their mom to do whatever is best for them. To challenge me would be a stupid mistake because then I do not feel compelled to do anything more for them, and a lot can happen to the properties held in their trust if no one is properly managing them. None of them are businesswomen, and although they will eventually destroy their entire inheritance, they would probably want to start managing it themselves right away. As for your fees, to settle right away does not provide many billable hours. However, to settle so quickly does provide me with one less problem to deal with right now, and I'm sure that you will find me fair in my compensation. I am open to suggestions as I have no idea how much you might have been able to make on this if it were to drag on indefinitely. For this fairness, I would expect airtight contracts, releases, etc., so that I not have to deal with my stepchildren or their mother again. I do expect to prevail on Tuesday and will bring Doug Edwards and Sandy Whitcock. Susan Aronoff may be a little hard to reason with because she and Don got in a huge fight and he threw her and her lions out of here. And because she is such a troublemaker, I did not try to persuade him otherwise. Let me know if you think having her there is worth the risk. I won't talk to the media and haven't since the injunction. Let me know when and where on Monday we need to meet, if you cannot get the opposing parties to agree to the above stated terms. Thank you for all your help. For the animals, Carol Lewis. And then this was the PRSL. <laughs> and you'll notice I keep shifting back and forth between PRSL and PSRL. I can never remember which way those actually went. Um, but this was the parcel ID, the address of the property, the assessed value uh, basis is what we had spent buying it. And then if it was an account receivable, like a mortgage coming in. And total assessed value was there. And then we had accounts receivable, accounts payable. Property taxes were owed on everything because they hadn't been paying the taxes in the office. Instead, they've been buying tax certificates in Anne and Gail's name, Anne McQueen and Gail Rathbone's name, and not paying them on behalf of our business. I don't know for sure what all of that was about, but you'll hear more about that later. And then down here, I had a note that I wrote to Anne saying, these are $1,666,821 worth of properties, which would be subject to probate if either or both of us died, LHB, U2TS, and DL properties are all to go to his children. I don't know the details on the companies or whether his kids could get the properties without probate. 
If not, maybe they should be put in the PSRL land trust agreement. The properties in DL should certainly go into PSRL, and perhaps one of his children should prepare the paperwork, because I knew they weren't going to be happy with anything I prepared, so it's like, fine, you guys get your attorney, and you prepare the paperwork, and I'll sign it. In here, I talk about the million-dollar life insurance and saying that transferring the above will give them $1,449,056. So that was probably less the taxes that were owed and the mortgages that were owed. And then these were the legal descriptions for each of those properties as well. So then if we go to the actual diary entry, September 9th, 1997, it says, hearings on the motions was heard before Judge Sexton. Before the hearing, I was presented with a copy of a motion for restraining order dated June 20th, 1997, filed by my husband against me. I had never known about this petition and couldn't think of what would have instigated it. I was not informed then that the motion had been denied because the judge had written that Don was not in any immediate danger. And this is not in here, but at some point I was told that the, the restraining order was dated on the 12th, I think. And here I have it listed as the 20th, but at any rate, it was what it was. The documentation shows the actual date. With the shock of my husband's disappearance, the betrayal of my friend of 16 years, and the Queen and the presentation of a document signed by my husband saying that I had threatened to kill him, I did not feel prepared to launch into battle and conceded to the agreed-upon order of conservatorship signed on September the 16th, 1997 by Judge Sexton. I agreed to the appointment of myself and a disinterested third party, Douglas B. Stolley. I felt Anne was misleading the kids and if I gave them a chance to see everything that was going on and all of the files and documents, they would calm down. I also needed time to find out what my husband's request for an injunction was all about. And then this note is from the future in 2020. 2020, note from the future. Looking back on this, I find it outrageous that Anne McQueen says that in mid-June of 1997 or later, Don hands her an envelope and says, if anything ever happens to me, be sure to get this to the police. But when he disappears, two months later, she forgets all about it. First, I can't believe that she wouldn't have peeked at the contents if he had said that. And second, there is no way when you are being grilled by the cops about your missing friend and boss that you fail to remember the envelope exists. No, instead, it's the day of the hearing where the judge is going to decide who gets to run the real estate business that Don and I built that she suddenly remembers and springs it on me right before the hearing. She didn't spring it on the police. She springs it on me and the court. I'm sure she knew it was just Don trying to figure out a way to keep me from hauling off his precious scrap but now that it could be used as a weapon against me that might give her full control of our bank accounts and properties, it was her ace in the hole. I think the undated letter to Mildred must have been written just before this hearing. It's the one I just read you. 
I was offering to give Don's daughters their trust properties and all of the other assorted entities that I had not worked on with him, which came to about $1.6 million, and would agree to let them take the lion's share of the life insurance policy. This was roughly 20% of the estate. As for everything outside of my Galta Trust, I offered to split it with them as long as they let me run the business without the expense of the conservatorship. I figured I could keep turning the properties over so that when Don came back or the time was up, I wouldn't care how much they were getting without working for it. I needed that to happen so that I could make sure the business didn't fail and to keep the cats fed. I was trying to get Mildred to propose this settlement to them the day before the hearing on 9-9 of 97, but with Anne's bringing the restraining order application on me, and maybe even on them, they probably didn't trust me. We would have all been much better off if they had.